It's time now for Keeping It 100 with Dory. Sponsored by the Derek Olivier Institute, Keeping It Real with Dory is designed to analyze, discuss, and develop positive outcomes to help stop the violence in the community. Now, let's go to the studios. Here's our show host, Edmund Davis. Parents and students, be sure to listen every Monday night at 6 p.m. to Arkansas Baptist College today. Every week, we'll discuss Arkansas Baptist College and the campus activities. Guests will include faculty, staff, students, and we'll even throw in a community leader or two. Be the first to know what's happening on and around the campus of Arkansas Baptist College by listening to Arkansas Baptist College today. That's every Monday at 6 p.m. on Buffalo Radio. The smart, affordable choice when choosing a college is as simple as ABC. Arkansas Baptist College is among the most affordable colleges in the state of Arkansas. We'll work with you to create the optimal financial package and consider you for a variety of institutional scholarships when you apply. You'll receive automatic considerations for merit scholarships, which are renewable up to four years and based on your GPA. First-time freshmen are also eligible for a 20 $2,500 annual reward. In addition to scholarships for academic merit, we offer athletic scholarships, and we can't forget about scholarships for band and choir. Our financial aid team can help you through the process of compiling scholarships, grants, loans, and work study. We here at Arkansas Baptist College believe college should be accessible to everyone. For more information, call 501-420-1234. Arkansas Baptist College. We'll see you on campus. Are you tired of the violence that is racking your community? Are you wishing someone would do something about it? The Derek Olivier Research Institute, based on the Arkansas Baptist College campus, is doing just that. Join Edmund Davis every Thursday at 6 p.m. as he and his special guests discuss viable solutions for stopping the violence in our communities. That's Keeping It 100 with Dory every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. right here on Buffalo Radio. What's the science class? Let the course begin as every episode is a semester. And thank you for tuning in to Keeping It 100 with Dory on Buffalo Radio, making history one generation at a time. We are broadcasting from Arkansas Baptist College in downtown Little Rock's historic Dunbar neighborhood. We are just three lights away from the Arkansas State Capitol building, the seat of power in the natural state. Keeping It 100 with Dory comes on every Thursday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on Buffalo Radio. We are the newest HBCU radio station and program in the nation. 
We are America's only radio hour of power that discusses black male murders as the number one killer. That's right, the number one killer of black males ages 1 to 44 in the United States. And of course, we know that number one killer is homicides. So, of course, that's what makes us uh, unique in that fold. Okay? If you are a first-time listener, let me explain what keeping it 100 with Dory means. First of all, Dory uh, is an acronym for the Derek Olivier Research Institute for the Prevention of Violence at Arkansas Baptist College, a.k.a. ABC. And so, an intentional effort to grow and maintain healthy relationships with others and yourself. This show is about being committed to a lifestyle of integrity and honesty, of course, to yourself and others. To speak truth with no malintentions, even when drama leads to trauma and or homicides. Okay, hashtag drama is trauma. This radio program therapy, that's what it is. This is radio program therapy on Buffalo Radio, where we harvest authentic and truthful narratives of the effects of homicides and healing in the aftermath processes that comes with seeking solutions through conversations, okay? Even though African-American males are the most traumatized ethnic group in the United States, of course, conglomerately speaking, African-Americans are as well, all right? So I still see African-American males, I still see black men in this country as more victorious than being victims, okay? In this lane, we will discuss the social effects on these various ills that lead to violent crimes and factors to that equation. While seeking solutions, we keep it, what? 100, that's what we do. We keep it 100. Podcast us if you missed us. I'm your host for this hour where you will be empowered. I am Ed Davis, Assistant Professor of History and Director of Dory, here where being real is the deal. All right, now of course, before we get started with our show, you know, we have to talk about some positive facts, okay, or some empowering truths. That's right, some empowering truths uh, moving forward. And so, of course, we have an up and down scale of emotions here before you in front of me here at Buffalo Radio, but I'm going to start it off on a good note, a positive note. And uh, of course, uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who wished me and also showed me a happy and awesome birthday, uh, born day this past weekend. And uh, of course, we're talking about first and foremost, I want to thank God for uh, blessing me to make it to see uh, the age that I'm at now, well, which is 45. And so also uh, my wife, uh, she um, pretty much uh, does what she always does, and that's put a smile on my face, but also she included others in the equation. By that, I'm talking about alumnus at Grambling State University. I'm talking about, you know, people who were actually at the one and twos at the DJ booth at the party that we showed up at. So again, the alumni affair was fantastic. And uh, I want to say thank you to Grambling State University, to the uh, course alumnus. I want to say thank you to the Swing Five Swing Social Fellowship Incorporated, to the Brothers of Groove, Five Groove Social Fellowship Incorporated. I want to say thank you uh, to, the, to, to you all as well, my brothers and my sisters, okay? And also to the social media posts. Uh, I can't express uh, how much that you all showed me uh, appreciation and love just, just from saying happy born day. So uh, sometimes that uh, you know means a lot. All the time it means a lot to me. So again, thank you so much for helping us carry over from the 44s to the 45 moving forward, okay? All right, now next up, now of course this is the somber note here. Uh, to those of you who um, 
have any type of affiliation with Arkansas Baptist College, you would know the name Dr. Gordon Johnson. Uh, he uh, passed away just a couple of days ago. And so, of course, information will be forthcoming as it relates to uh, his homegoing services. Uh, we have to reach out and, and talk to other people, whether it be his family members and also the funeral uh, directors at the building uh, not too far down the street. But uh, our love, our appreciation has always been extended to Dr. Gordon uh, J. Johnson. Of course, a native of the great country of Canada, but he's been down here for nearly 60 plus years. And uh, I've always known him as a, as a mentor, a big brother, and uh, just a colleague, a contemporary, a sociologist. And of course, every time we uh, got together, I would always have to bring a dictionary, I guess, if you will, because uh, Dr. Gordon was uh, more than intelligent. You know, he was always, he was like from another planet, you know, with his vocabulary and just his, his knowledge of uh, different subjects. But again, this mathematician czar, this sociologist, this social scientist like myself, uh, you know, our, our, um, our thoughts and prayers are to and with his family at this time. And uh, of course, uh, we just, uh, you know, appreciate all the things Gordon has done for ABC, for our students, for the Buffalo family. Okay, so again, rest in love to Dr. Gordon Johnson. Okay, all right. Also in other news, we have the uh, fifth annual Black Empowerment Awards coming up, and that'll be, uh, you know, something that's uh, unique. And I uh, just want to give a shout out to a number of people, of course, for putting this all together. Okay, Ms. Uh, Kirsten uh, Knox, uh, VC, and of course, Ms. Akisha Gupton Davis. She's the organizer. Those ladies are just in the trenches. They're sweat equity. They have been serving the neighborhoods of the communities for a long time. And uh, of course, this fifth annual Black Empowerment Honor, uh, Black Empowerment Awards, rather, excuse me, honoring a number of people. We're talking about uh, Dr. Uh, William Robinson. We're talking about um, uh, Morning here. I believe her name is uh, Marania Morning. Dr. Lee Braggs, of course, uh, Charlotte Campbell, Dr. Patrice uh, Bax, also Lorenzo P. Lewis of the Confess Project, and of course, uh, yours truly. I'm honored to be on this as well as being an honoree. That'll be November the 19th. Okay, November the 19th at the Mosaic Temples Cultural Center. So you can reach out to uh, either one of these two leaders, these uh, committed soldiers uh, for uh, people, especially black people. We're talking about Mr. Kise Gupton Davis and Ms. Kirsten Rissett Knox. So we appreciate them both for what they're doing. And of course, you'll hear more about that later. Make sure you get your tickets to that event. And uh, again, I'm honored. Also, we uh, wanna give an acknowledgement about the Black Fathers Awareness Walk. That'll be October 30th from 10 a.m. at Murray Park, Pavilion 1 and 2. More information, reach out to uh, Stefan Hall, 501-772-6536. And of course, search Little Rock Black Fathers Awareness Walk on Facebook, and you'll find more about that uh, forthcoming, all right? Also, we want to acknowledge uh, the legendary journalist, Miss Elaine Williams from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. You know, for a lifetime, she's been producing great articles, stories, and uh, interviews. Uh, she is, again, a legend, and so she's been a big sister uh, to, to me, and uh, her stories are impeccable, and she has an awesome husband, a brother, Renarda, and we appreciate his work as well as a, a journalist as well. I call them the first family of journalism, okay? Of course, uh, they work for themselves, and they uh, work for the Democrat Gazette. Elaine, congratulations on your uh, Euler appointed, awarded 
award. It's called the uh, Presidential Award, I believe, okay? You are the newest recipient of the 2021 Presidential Award. I believe it's on November the 4th uh, at the uh, Clinton Museum, the Clinton uh, Library, I believe. Okay, so again, it's an honor to, to know you, to be spoken from, uh, you know, your uh, tongue is, is great. And of course, for you to write about anyone, that person must be doing some good things. So again, uh, Elaine Williams, congratulations uh, moving forward. Okay. Also, we want to give uh, an acknowledgement to Andre Martin, HBCU alumnus. Of course, uh, he was the young man who had his start at Gramlin State University and, okay, at Howard University. And uh, he turned, okay, a college fair into an organization that has generated $52 million in scholarships. Okay, $52 million in scholarships. And uh, he is blessed by God's grace and, and uh, mercy. He has been equipped and he has blessed others. I think 1,616 scholarships have been offered so far to date. So Brother Andre Martin, uh, we acknowledge you. We uh, salute you, sir, for doing this wonderful service that doesn't often get uh, talked about on the news, okay? Had something bad happens to you, be on the news. But again, you're blessing other people with a good effort. So this is what we do here, keeping it 100. That's what we do. We keep it 100. We do it all the time, okay? So that National Suicide Prevention, there's a new uh, deal as it relates to the National uh, Suicide Prevention as a hotline, okay? So of course, the FCC has voted to set up a three-digit suicide hotline, okay? A three-digit suicide hotline, all right? That's, that's, that's the, pretty much the, the latest news going on. I'm gonna let that marinate for you. A three-digit suicide hotline, y'all. So give the Lord a hand praise on that. We all know for years there's been pretty much the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline which is a 1-800-273-TALK that goes across to 163 crisis centers in the country. But now this new three-digit okay number, and it's 988, I repeat, 988. 988. For those listening, I am Ed Davis. We're here in Buffalo Radio. The show is Keeping It 100. For those who don't know, the number one killer for African-American males ages 5 through 12 is suicide. That's right. It doesn't get talked about, but that's what we do here. We talk about topics that most people don't talk about. So, again, share this information. All right. The FCC voted to set a three-digit suicide hotline, and it's 988. So if you know someone struggling with these tendencies, we want to keep them empowered and uh, definitely uh, help them out as much and the best as we can. Okay. These are important uh, information that we want to give out to you. And uh, that's something that's important. And uh, let's go ahead and share that information, okay? Now, of course, um, the topic that uh, I want to mention before we go into our show, and this is coming from, and again, we told you we added another segment to this program, and it's called Professor Davis Says. Okay, so this has nothing to do with Arkansas Baptist College. It has nothing to do with, uh, of course, Buffalo Radio. This is uh, from my brain solely. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and be transparent with you. There was a story that I read, and of course, a friend of mine texted me, and he uh, mentioned that I hear about this situation that happened on a SEPTA train back in Philadelphia. Most people that know me know I'm from West Philly, born and raised. On a playground is where I didn't spend most of my days. But here we go. 
there was a train system that's set up, it's called SEPTA, that stands for Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority. I'll say it slow for those who are not familiar with SEPTA, okay? It's the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority. That's her acronym for SEPTA, breaking it down. So I believe someone was on the SEPTA line. I don't believe, I know. And uh, a disturbing situation had occurred where a lady uh, was raped, was sexually assaulted in front of people and they recorded the situation, this tragedy. They recorded it and didn't step in, didn't intervene. So I'm beyond them deeply embarrassed. But again, I've heard a whole lot of bad things coming from uh, the town that I call home, the fifth largest city in the country. Uh, but I'm miserable at this time. I have a, a living wife, a living mother, and eight sisters. And uh, yes, I teach at a school where 70% of the students are not uh, female, they're, they're male. But at the same time, I have colleagues and students. Yes, I do have female students. But again, for you to actually sit on the train or stand on the train, an L will be called it, okay? Elevated line, E-L, for you to be on the train. And I'm speaking to all males, okay, in the Philadelphia area. Hopefully and prayerfully you're listening, okay? Of course, I don't assume or want anyone's mom or daughter to step into a rape situation and and try to you know handle and, and you know get a, a grown man off of a woman but it apparently uh you guys didn't see the need to do that either we don't know how many member on that train apparently none on that in that box car okay there's a difference between an adult male and a man okay again i'll say it slow there's a difference between an adult male and a man okay so we have to be careful uh moving forward from this tragedy on the SEPTA rail, okay? There's a difference between an adult male and a man, okay? But there's, but there's no difference between a witness of a homicide, okay, and you doing nothing to report that violent crime. You're just as guilty as the person who's recording a female, a woman being raped, and you're just recording it and you're not intervening, okay? Again, I don't advocate violence in any least bit, but this is an exception to the rule, okay? Uh, mothers, if you're a single parent mom and there's no male around to invest any uh, know-how of manhood in, into your son, you know, give us a call at Arkansas Baptist College, you know? Let them stop on through here, all right? No, this is not a perfect school. In fact, we're far from it, okay? But so are every other school, okay? But uh, we, we do have male influence here Okay, we do have some godly influence and indignation here. All right, I don't know what happened on that train, but to actually record that and to uh, not be a participant in getting this person, not man, this, this grown, this predator off this, off this lady, you know, it boils my blood and, uh, you know, God have mercy on his soul, but also, you know, how can you sleep at night when you watched a woman being raped and you not step in and do anything? And I understand, but I solely and strongly disagree for those who said they felt maybe that person will retaliate against, against you. That's the chance that you take, okay? That's the chance that you take, but there's no excuse for you not to do anything when it comes to uh, a situation as violent, as foul, okay, as disrespectful as raping anybody. You know, and it could be a, a woman or a man, but still, you know, when I heard that story and I read about it, I didn't want to see any kind of video footage, okay? But again, 
I'm just explaining to you uh, from a, a, you know, someone who I believe is thinking in their right mind, and it's only because of God's grace and his mercy, okay? I could lose my mind in a second, hopefully and prayerfully, not right now, not today, but still, for, for something to go down and you just stand by and record it on your phone, it makes no sense. But also, you have to think about all the fights that we see on social media where young people stand by and record someone getting beat to a pulp and they not step in. You know, thinking they're going to go viral and get a check or something while somebody dies uh, bleeding on the streets. It's the same thought. It's the same logic. It's the same uh, perversion, if you will. Okay, that's what it is. In essence, perversion. If you can watch somebody lose their life, okay, and videotape it and not step in to, to help save a life. Or at least call the authorities or throw something. Put, you know, a stone something. You know, scream, shout. Do something. Just a recording is not going to save your life. All right. That is doing that person no justice if they're losing his or her life or being raped or molested. That's not cool at all. So, again, this is a note to not just mothers, dads, too, and also to students. OK, if you see something going on, I challenge all my students at Arkansas Baptist College. OK, again, all males in my class except one. We have one young lady and she's grown. She sits in the back of the class. She's a part of our family here at the Buffalo Nation. We said this to her, too. But again, we don't want her stepping in and getting on top of a man's back and getting him off. That's just out of order. There's men or adult males around. And again, there's a difference between a man and an adult male. An adult male will hit a woman in a minute. An adult male will run in a minute. OK, in the midst of a tragedy and run over some women to get out or jump in front of a woman to get food first. That's what adult males do. They're not trained. They're not socially sensitive or they're just totally disconnected from humanity. That's right. I said it. Okay. So again, men, we put our lives on the line for students. Men, we put our lives on the line for anybody. I don't care what your skin color is, what your gender is. If you're being attacked, okay, and your life is on the line, not a fist fight and you was just one sucker punch, not necessarily that. Okay, step in, block it, call the police, take a snapshot of your face. But for someone to just record a sexual assault on your phone where clothes are coming off a woman's body and you not step in and intervene, I can't fathom that. There's no exceptions at all to that. Okay, so hopefully and prayerfully that you're never in a position as a victim at all, of course, or as a spectator. Okay, just standing by and watching it. I just wanted to go ahead and make that plain and crystal clear uh, that you are a coward, okay? Uh, you're definitely uh, out, of, out, of, out of line, out of touch with humanity to sit by and watch somebody do that to anybody. I don't care if she was 12 or 24 or 84, okay? That's out of order, out of line, out of God's order, and we will call it out every time. And so, again, it grieves my spirit. It grieves my manhood, okay? It grieves me as a, as a husband. It grieves me as a brother to eight sisters. It grieves me as a, as a son to a living mother. And my grandmother's still alive, too, at 90 years old. So again, uh, gentlemen, we're speaking to you. We're also speaking to your sons. Please, let's have these conversations. This is a teachable moment right now, okay? To step in, to intervene, okay? To intervene, deal with the consequences afterwards. But again, to, for that to happen is... It's embarrassing as a human being. I don't care whether who the color, the skin doesn't. As a human being, it's embarrassing to be a human right now. 
to know that that situation went down and nobody, where have we come? We've fallen so much, this country, we've fallen off, okay, off our high horse, okay? And, and again, that's not from ABC, that's not from the Buffalo Radio, that's from Professor Davis Says, hashtag P-R-O-F-D-A-V-I-S-S-A-Y-S, okay? You can give commentary online about that, but again, we make no exceptions. There's no fence sitting here. You're on one side or the other. There's no sitting on the fence, okay? I stand for the Lord and his righteousness. And again, revenge belongs to him, not to me. I'm not a revenge guy, not at all, not a vengeance, no. Okay, I want God to have his way, and I pray for that person that committed that heinous crime. And I also pray for that victim and her family and the trauma that she's experienced. And also the spectators that were by too. We pray that you uh, get to rectify that and seek some counseling. Because again, this is something that's tragedy, okay? It's, tra it's, it's treacherous. And so I wanted to go ahead and uh, move forward, but I wanted to say that because that's been uh, in my spirit all week. We spoke to students here about that and what, how young men are supposed to act in the face of adversity. Life is not about what happens to you, it's how you respond to what happens to you. And so again, yes, tragedy may be coming, but again, are you prepared to handle that tragedy? And so we have to seek God's face in that process before it happens and while it's happening. Because again, he says he'll be with you in that valley. He didn't say he's gonna take you out of that valley, but you're gonna be in that valley one day or the other. And so again, that's something that uh, you have to deal with, with the Lord with that one and, and just speak to him, okay? Pray, that's when you're speaking to him, but listen, he's speaking to you, okay? So we have to uh, be prayerful for our country, the city of Philadelphia, the city of Little Rock, in all the cities because it's bad times right now. And uh, I see the glass still half full rather than half empty, okay? We still have some humanity left, but let's show it, let's not be scared. All right, we have no spirit of fear here, okay? That's important uh, moving forward. And so uh, just wanted to go ahead and, and let you know a little bit more about uh, that situation. I believe the person was apprehended. Uh, of course, uh, I'm not sure if he's in a cell block with other um, male inmates, okay? Uh, again, um, I, I can't describe uh, what, what I'm feeling, but again, I don't base my decisions off of my uh, feelings. I base them off of facts, okay? So again, the facts are uh, this person's been apprehended. And so, of course, so he'll have his day in court, and uh, this lady, his life has changed for, you know, for the worst, if you will. All right, but um, I just hope that, you know, things, you know, I just can't imagine what she's going through. But uh, again, we have to rise to the occasion. And um, hopefully and prayerfully, none of us are in that situation again where we pull out our cell phones and record something like that. If you can pull out your phone and record, guess what? That means you can step in and do something, okay? You may have to go to jail for it, but this woman is safe from that traumatic experience. Okay, and, and don't blame it uh, on drugs or any type of uh, inhibitors. This is something that's despicable. And again, you know, we, we have to uh, not have that conversation. Okay, so we will take our first commercial break and we'll be right back with our star speaker. Okay, and scholar in a second. We'll be right back with Keeping It 100.
alumni, parents, and students, be sure to listen every Monday night at 6 p.m. to Arkansas Baptist College Today. Every week, we'll discuss Arkansas Baptist College and the campus activities. Guests will include faculty, staff, students, and we'll even throw in a community leader or two. Be the first to know what's happening on and around the campus of Arkansas Baptist College by listening to Arkansas Baptist College Today. That's every Monday at 6 p.m. on Buffalo Radio. The smart, affordable choice when choosing a college is as simple as ABC. Arkansas Baptist College is among the most affordable colleges in the state of Arkansas. We'll work with you to create the optimal financial package and consider you for a variety of institutional scholarships when you apply. You'll receive automatic considerations for merit scholarships, which are renewable up to four years and based on your GPA. First-time freshmen are also eligible for a 20 annual reward. In addition to scholarships for academic merit, we offer athletic scholarships, and we can't forget about scholarships for band and choir. Our financial aid team can help you through the process of compiling scholarships, grants, loans, and work study. We here at Arkansas Baptist College believe college should be accessible to everyone. For more information, call 501-420-1234. Arkansas Baptist College. We'll see you on campus. Are you tired of the violence that is racking your community? Are you wishing someone would do something about it? The Derek Olivier Research Institute, based on the Arkansas Baptist College campus, is doing just that. Join Edmund Davis every Thursday at 6 p.m. as he and his special guests discuss viable solutions for stopping the violence in our communities. That's Keeping It 100 with Dory every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. right here on Buffalo Radio. Okay, welcome back to Keeping It 100 with Dory. Of course, I'm your host, Professor Ed Davis. And of course, before the commercial break, we had a, a discussion. No, we didn't have a discussion. We had some commentary about the uh, foul acts of a perpetrator on the uh, SEPTA train in Philadelphia. And so again, uh, just, uh, just, just a call to all adult males, okay? We want you to all to step back and of course, we want the men to step forward. Okay, and of course, if the men can't step forward, guess what? Our queens will step forward. But again, this is the problem. We have to be in our place and take our crowns back. Of course, we're to be there next to, and of course, protect our women. And of course, what happened over the train in Philadelphia is beyond embarrassing. And uh, again, we can't stand for that. And uh, I believe the suspect was apprehended. And so that's a good note, okay? So heading into the second uh, phase of our show, we have a special guest on the line, and, and again, this person right here, I admire them so much, and uh, we go a long ways back. And so I'm going to kind of give you a little a snippet of uh, this person, the legendary Dr. Leonie Lepson, okay? Born in Pasadena, California, and attended Grambling State University in the 90s through the 2000s. She earned a BA in sociology with a minor in psychology and a master's in public administration. This is all before the age of 30, y'all. That's right. For those all around the world listening, this is before the age of 30. That's a mic drop. In 2010, she was awarded a doctorate degree in higher education administration. 
Her research focused on African-American women's experiences in higher education and her dissertation title, it was titled rather, Black Female Faculty's Perceptions of Inter-Race and Intra-Race Relations at Historically White Institutions, of course we call them PWIs. Uh, she is a mother of a son, the awesome son, Asen, and currently a Grambling State University student. Dr. Lepson, okay, was the ninth national president of Swing Fi Swing Social Fellowship Incorporated. Of course, uh, this was an institution, founded at an institution called Winston-Salem State University in Winston, North Carolina, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And of course, at the conclusion of the Civil Rights Movement and budgeting of the Black Power Movement, of course, 12 African-American women, proud, innovative, and determined, these sisters, y'all, Swing Fi Swing has over 50 active graduate chapters and undergraduate chapters throughout the U.S. and Dr. Lepson is of still ever connected. She's forever connected to Swing. And on a personal note, we've both watched each other grow over the over the last 25 years, I guess, with Grambling Roots, GSU Roots, graduate school endeavors, okay, and also our professional uh, circles. Of course, um, also she's been uh, blossoming there as well. And of course, from a former Groove Fi Groove national positional leader to a Swing Fi Swing national past president position holder, it is my honor, y'all, to introduce to you Dr. Leonie Lepsum. Welcome to a Keeping It 100 with Dory, Dr. Lepsum. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here with you and, you know, engage in this dialogue that you've put forth. Yes, yes. It's an honor to, uh, to, to be able to engage and converse with you and, you know, all the stripes that you have. And, you know, I know you got plenty of stories to tell and just your walk. And we've seen each other from the 90s on up into the 2000s. And, you know, here we are now. It's like the third decade of the 21st century. You know, that's the third decade of the 21st century. It's crazy, ain't it? See, that makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, hold on. It's about to be 2022. It's wow. about to be 2022. Wow. It's, it's crazy. But um, but definitely. So, Dr. Lepson, tell the Keeping It 100 audience something about yourself that I did not mention on your bio. Give us a little bit more tidbit about you. Um, I've dedicated my entire life to public service. So I know you talked a little bit about what I do um, outside of my professional life. But in my professional life, I actually am a program administrator for the Department of Health and Human Services with the state of North Carolina. So I've worked with large and small nonprofit organizations throughout my whole life just to help local nonprofit organizations or grassroots organizations really build up the capacity to serve the community. A lot of the times the government will give money to these smaller organizations or some even large nonprofit organizations. And the hiccup is because they don't really know the ins and outs of the federal program. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of government ease that kind of puts them in uh, a bad predicament if they're not following the regulatory statutes of any federal grant. And then your program can close down. Right. And the sad part is a lot of these nonprofit organizations were basically started because someone had the heart and the mind to provide a service to help people. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I come in. You know, I help them understand what they need to do to survive and to actually build capacity and to evolve their program so that they can help more people. Awesome, awesome. And for those who are just now tuning in, this is Professor Davis here speaking with uh, Dr. Leonie Lepson, and we're having a conversation today about black fratricides at HBCUs, and Dr. Lepson was just kind of giving 
uh, you know, some information about more of her background for those listening to Buffalo Radio. Okay, Dr. Lepson, now, what is your view on the overall state of safety at HBCUs? Now, of course, listeners know we both attended the high and mighty GSU Grambling, and it doesn't uh, go so many times over. And I tell people 1901 changed the world. It didn't just change my life. It changed the world. But uh, definitely uh, give us your intake on the current overall state of safety at HBCUs. What's your intake on that? Well, I, I guess I'm kind of torn because I know that for many of our HBCUs, the intent is always to keep the students safe, the faculty safe, as well as the alumni who come to visit or anyone who comes to visit the campus. Um, yet at the, at the same time, we also know that that's what makes them more appealing to people who are going to try to cause problems or issues on campus. Many of our HBCUs are not closed campuses, meaning they don't have a gate around them. Mm -hmm. And so the campus is very well um, situated in the middle of a city or in the middle of a town where they can be accessed by the anyone who lives in the city or with, throughout that area, you know, who, or someone stopping by. I've seen people just stop by the campus and hop out, you know, their car to take pictures. So it's an open campus in the sense that they want to make people feel comfortable enough to come visit the campus. So you kind of really have to look at it from mm -hmm. both perspectives. Is it necessary for each HBCU to be a closed campus? Do you need to have security guards? Do you need to have a gate? Do you need to have someone checking everyone that's coming onto campus? Or do you really want to make it a public space where people can feel comfortable to visit the campus, maybe utilize the library and or any of the other resources that are there and be able to feel comfortable. Um, I think all of our HBCUs are kind of grappling with that, at least uh -huh. the ones that are currently open campus, what they need to do to make people feel more safe to be being on campus. Um, I know we are in a technology age, mm -hmm. so for those, who, those universities that have open campuses, perhaps looking into some additional technology that they can add to our campuses um, as far as surveillance is concerned that may make people feel a little bit more safe. I know we've had an issue, and we, when I say we, I'm talking about people of color, uh -huh. have constantly had an issue with policing. So I don't know if policing, adding more police to the campus will make people feel safer, but perhaps something that's a little more inconspicuous that can be controlled from a from a different um, angle. I believe that's uh, getting back to what you just said. I was taking notes and uh, that's on my radar. I'm real sensitive to, uh, you said adding more police is not the answer. I, I firmly agree uh, with you, even though I've got some good friends that are in law enforcement. But uh, I, I wrote a paper last summer. It was rejected by the New York Times, but uh, the Seattle Times, I think, wanted to pick it up and it talked about how 25% of uh, law enforcement officers are white supremacists. And I was just, you know, dropping some information as a researcher. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, given that information, and I was talking to officers about three months ago this past summer, and I noted that same intel, and they couldn't rebuke the uh, facts. I'm thinking, this is not Ed Davis, this is facts right here. You know, we have right. to have a, a, a healthy discussion uh, about, you know, the oversaturation of law enforcement in areas where people look like me and look like you. And, and, but then right. again, on the flip side, we all know high crime rates, you know, I understand a situation where you um, have more police, but um, 
to this next question, you know, given your pedagogy of knowledge, not just as a parent and alumnus, but also as a higher education administrator, what kind of conversations is needed to mitigate of violence at HBCUs outside of the conversation with police? It kind of gets back to what we just ed added towards the end of the last, uh, your response, you know, because we can't police our way out of this. You know, adding more police is not the answer. And uh, that's just my comment, but definitely uh, from your perspective, what do you see? I think there are several approaches that any campus administrator could take on. Um, rather than adding more police, they could also take a um, almost a community patrol type of or a neighborhood watch, so to speak, but bring it to campus. Mm -hmm. um, that perspective, I know that works in a lot of neighborhoods, and that way you, you don't necessarily have more of a police presence, but you have people on campus, students on campus that are taking more of a responsibility for what's happening on campus. Um, I, I think that would be helpful. And also um, it gives people more of a buy-in, mm -hmm. you know, to, and feel they may feel more connected to what's right. happening on campus and more responsible. Um, this is kind of on a tangent, but it, it's still relative. Um, this was the first homecoming that I'd ever been to where I saw the campus totally trashed. Mm -hmm. um, there yes. were all, you know, you name it, it was out there on the ground. Yes. Um, now, I noticed that there were a lack of receptacles. I also noticed that the receptacles that were there were overflowing. Mm -hmm. um, and I also noticed that the receptacles that were there were kind of like spread out in, in inconspicuous places. Now, I say that to say, Regardless of what that looked like, there was still a pride that students and people who attended homecoming this past weekend should have had to where they were they were insistent about keeping the campus clean and presentable. Mm -hmm. And those things are directly related to a pride that people have to have in the institution. If you are proud of something, if you respect something, then you're not going to let anything happen to it right you're you know you're going to strive to ensure that um everything is happening on the up and up for lack of a better term so i think that there has to be something that takes place that allows students to feel more connected to the university as they are matriculating at the institution because we know alumni we have pride in our institution that's why we're coming back right exactly. we're, we still feel connected and we want to share our joy and our pride with the people that we bring with us or the other alumnus that are there with us at that time. So I think one thing they can do, a almost like a neighborhood policing program, they probably have to go back to a lot of the rules, regulatory um, practices that they had probably in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, I know currently on Gramlin's campus, a lot of their dormitories are co-ed. So um, that lends itself to a whole array of other issues that right. could take place. Um, I'm not sure what the campus crime rates are currently with student-to-student -student violence, because I also believe that the students that are attending Grambling are not really violent towards each other or as violent towards each other as there are people who are visiting the campus that are creating these kind of um, hostile environments and right. actions that, you know, that right. are detrimental to the student life and um, visitors to campus. So I think there are a number of things that could be done from a 
from the standpoint of an academic administrator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they should feel guilty about kind of, at, at this point, implementing some of those antiquated <laughs> or old school <laughs> rules, you know, to keep students and visitors safe. I agree. And, and for those listening, hashtag GramFam. That's right, hashtag GramFam. Okay. But check this out. And, and, and Leona, you, you can probably agree to this too. I, I was embarrassed. I believe it was a Saturday morning or maybe Sunday morning. I went out to take some pictures. And uh, for those who are listening, Gramlin along, Gramlin students, we love you. We have to keep it real. We're keeping it 100 right now, though, okay? And so I was interviewed by a Monroe reporter. And we talked for maybe four minutes. And of all things that I said, they only recorded one part that was maybe uh, not controversial, but just it was maybe sensitive. I said, I'm deeply embarrassed. Out of all the things that I said that was pleasing about my school, they just took that remark and they put it in the news. You know how the media does it sometimes. And so yeah, I said, them, right, right. I'm thinking, OK, you know, I'm trained, but OK, I, I got caught slipping. No problem. And so, uh, you know, saying all that, I was embarrassed because of what happened. But even before that, I saw the trash, like you said. I'm thinking, what is going on? I've never seen, since 1995 or 96, I've never seen this much trash out here before. There's got to be a genesis behind this, and it has to be addressed. But that's another conversation because uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, homicides and and what's going on. And I've got the stats here, uh, Dr. Lepsum, and it says here that um, out of the three schools that had tragic situations, UAPB, Jackson State University, and Grambling, you know, we had four deaths and nearly 30 people uh, were shots, well, shots were fired in a direction. They became, you know, victims of uh, traumatic experiences. And so, um, like you said, another point that you brought up, which was fantastic, was how the schools, well, Grambling's an exception uh, pretty much to this because Grambling, we're out in the cut, you know, we're in a town of Grambling, but uh, it's not really any skyscrapers or big buildings. But at the same time, like you said, that overflow of people, and nine times out of ten, most of those people who were shot, it's not necessarily a student, but just somebody from a neighboring town or someone that's on campus kind of intermingling with the normal, uh, you know, general population of a, of a uh, homecoming. And so looking at those four deaths and those 30 people shot, I believe the number is actually 26 as far as we uh, counted, because that's what we do at the Derrick Olivier Research Institute. Uh, you know, we collect data and we try to, you know, find trends to help mitigate what's going on and how this happened. And so when I saw the young women, not the alumnus, but the young women walking around the campus uh, with like these shorts on were so high, I'm thinking, wow, that's, 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 um, that's different. And then I saw some of the young guys, they had alcohol out. And uh, again, this is not throwing our school under the bus in no capacity, you know, because if we were both administrators there, we would address this issue as such and have that community conversation about being proactive and, and of course, you know, meeting these uh, needs, you know, folks are looking for attention or what have you, or just kind of people trying to start beef. There's a number of different uh, items that are that are in place. But I was reading, uh, Leone, I was reading from the uh, Grambling University National Alumni Association's page. I don't know if you saw it or not, but they were talking about asking for anybody that's uh, involved with law enforcement to come add their input, and we're going to have a discussion, a panel discussion of sorts. And uh, did you see that post? 
I did see that, and I think they need people who are probably also not involved in law enforcement. Thank you. Because sometimes having a different set of eyes can provide a creative solution, an innovative solution. Mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of what uh, law enforcement, how law enforcement performs across the nation is very similar, right? Mm -hmm. um, so maybe looking at some really innovative ideas that are cross-cutting, you know, ideas that people utilize maybe on other campuses that are not HBCUs, the, the partnership that they have with law enforcement, maybe looking at some other creative ideas mm -hmm. outside of just having law enforcement come and sit in a panel. Right. Because law enforcement is going to do law enforcement. <laughs> right. right, right. I got you. Um, and, and what we're trying to do is create a, a different type of milieu for the students and for the faculty and for the alumni. We want something that's safe, not invasive, um, but effective. Right, because that's adding to a lot of people's experience. Law enforcement adds another stress factor, you know, so we have to keep that in mind. And, and going back to how I responded to that, I believe it's uh, Mr. Jones is the president or he's the uh, facilitator of that um, that porthole. And, and a shout out to you, Mr. Jones. Thank you for putting it out there. It's something that's needed. Uh, what me and Dr. Lessam are saying is that, uh, you know, we could bring other people to the table. You, we need some people who are a part of the nonprofit sector. Uh, we need some students uh, at that also at that table. We need some alumnus at that table uh, of making decisions. We have to have some city leaders outside of GSU at that table. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. And, and also some mental health specialist providers at that table. There's a lot of I think it's 15.6 percent according to the CDC, as far as uh, African-American uh, mental health is concerned, that's a high number, and, and some of that includes uh, college students and people who live near uh, you know, college student uh, campuses. And so we have to add them to come to the table. And uh, you know, of course, yes, law enforcement as well, but like here at UAPB, which is about an hour, less than an hour away, I'm in Little Rock right now as we speak, but down the road, it's Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and they had two people lose their lives and the police have responded talking about law enforcement and it was just about law enforcement and i'm thinking man we just don't get the and big it's picture not, right it's not just about law enforcement i think we need to realize that too um change is not always enacted through force sometimes mm -hmm. you have to nurture change you know mm -hmm. and create environments for change and create regulatory statutes and um and other type of policies that will create or plant a seed and be the catalyst for change. It's not always about forcing change. I mean, a couple of little changes that need to be made on campus could make a world of difference, mm -hmm. you know? And again, it really is about respecting the space that you're in because yes. if you, you develop a love and a respect for that space, you're not going to let anything happen to that space. Yes. Um, I, I, just to piggyback off of what you were talking about, about the young ladies and how they were dressed, that comes with, you know, organizations that are on campus providing some type of mentorship to these young girls prior to them joining any organization. Right. Um, what are you doing? What's your presence? What are you teaching them? Um, how are you telling them to present themselves as young ladies? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I saw what you saw, and actually I was with someone who made a comment about the clothing, some of the young ladies were wearing. And I think that all of that, the self-image, 
those things have to do with self-esteem, a respect mm-hmm. that you have for yourself as well right. as um, your environment. So. Right. Yep. Definitely. And of course, my ne- my next question is, what would you say to parents who want to send their son? And speaking of sons, a shout out to uh, Ace and Letson, Mr. Prince. I hope all is well, sir. Hadn't seen you since you were little, <laughs> but definitely uh, a shout out to your son. Um, what would you say to parents that want to send their son or their daughters to GSU or any HBCU for that fact, given the uh, recent calamities? Uh, do you think you could still sell an HBCU to a parent, and how would you do so? I'm always going to sell an HBCU. Um, I've, I was on another panel talking about supporting HBCUs and why we should encourage our students to go to HBCUs. And what I said then is what I'll say now. Mm-hmm. Uh, HBCU is the first place where I feel like students can really build a social network around and with people who look like them. It's going to be their first opportunity to buy black because they are black institutions. Mm -hmm. It is the first place where they will cultivate a sense of self and they need to be in a space with people who look like them to help foster and facilitate that. So. I believe that HBCU is the best place for students to begin their journey into adulthood. Awesome. And for those who are listening, that's uh, Dr. Leonie Letson, and of course, Professor Davis here. This is Buffalo Radio's Keeping It 100. And for those who are coming to Grandma's Hong Kong for 2022, if you want to buy a GSU shirt, don't buy it at the Walmart in Rustin. Go ahead and get that shirt from the village, okay? Invest back in black-owned businesses. Marvin, if you're listening, we want to give you a shout-out moving forward. You were there when we were students back in the day. And so um, definitely, uh, as far as time is concerned, Dr. Lepson, we don't have a lot of time here, but what you're saying is immense, okay? And, of course, outside of the tragedy and the overall experiences uh, that we had this past weekend, I wanted to say uh, I had probably the best homecoming experience that I've had in 25 homecoming experiences. And so, of course, yes, it ended on that sour note with the shootings and the young lady being trampled, et cetera. But our hearts and prayers and thoughts goes out to those that are affected by that traumatic experience. And I know Grandma will do better because we have no choice and we have people in the right place. And, uh, you know, we have to make some provisions, provisional adjustments uh, moving forward. But Dr. Lesson, do you have anything in closing that you want to say to uh, everybody across the nation? Yeah, um, I want to thank everyone for even listening to um, this session today. You know, we appreciate people who are active and involved and engaged. So if you have any commentary, I'm sure uh, Professor Davis would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback or suggestions, if you're a grandma and alumnus or a student, then please also, you know, submit that as well. Um, I think as alumni, we just need to continue to pour into our institution. We have some amazing alumni who are doing great things across the nation and i think it's important that we continue to keep connected to the institution whether that's through our financial contributions or through our personal um, interactions with the institution i think that we need to continue to do that uh, in order to better to better build and evolve what grambling has there we want to see grambling um, exist beyond, you know, 150 years, beyond 200 years. We want this institution to be here forever. 
And in order for that to happen as alumni, we have to be able to continuously give to it and pour ourselves into the institution who poured into us. That's why Grandma's saying is where everybody is somebody. Yes. So I think it taught a lot of us that about ourselves, and we just need to continue to give to our institution. Yes, yes. Hashtag Grand Fam. I want to thank our esteemed guest, Dr. Leonie Lepson, for partaking in this Keeping It 100 Rodori segment. To the listeners, stay tuned for our next broadcast. And our guest will be Natasha Houston, of course, from Junkyard Fitness. Of course, what you eat does dictate what you do, y'all. And we're talking about African-American males. Remember, this is the only program in the country that talks about African-American male homicides. That's why we have this show every Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time here at ABC's Buffalo Radio. We're keeping it 100 with Dory. We're being real is the deal. I am Ed Davis, your host, who doesn't boast. Now it's time for us to get ghosts. God bless you, and thank you, Leonie. We love you, okay? All right, love you too. Alumni, parents, and students, be sure to listen every Monday night at 6 p.m. to Arkansas Baptist College Today. Every week, we'll discuss Arkansas Baptist College and the campus activities. Guests will include faculty, staff, students, and we'll even throw in a community leader or two. Be the first to know what's happening on and around the campus of Arkansas Baptist College by listening to Arkansas Baptist College Today. That's every Monday at 6 p.m. on Buffalo Radio. The smart, affordable choice when choosing a college is as simple as ABC. Arkansas Baptist College is among the most affordable colleges in the state of Arkansas. We'll work with you to create the optimal financial package and consider you for a variety of institutional scholarships when you apply. You'll receive automatic considerations for merit scholarships, which are renewable up to four years and based on your GPA. First-time freshmen are also eligible for a 20 annual reward. In addition to scholarships for academic merit, we offer athletic scholarships, and we can't forget about scholarships for band and choir. Our financial aid team can help you through the process of compiling scholarships, grants, loans, and work study. We here at Arkansas Baptist College believe college should be accessible to everyone. For more information, call 501-420-1234. Arkansas Baptist College. We'll see you on campus. Are you tired of the violence that is racking your community? Are you wishing someone would do something about it? The Derek Olivier Research Institute, based on the Arkansas Baptist College campus, is doing just that. Join Edmund Davis every Thursday at 6 p.m. as he and his special guests discuss viable solutions for stopping the violence in our communities. That's Keeping It 100 with Dory every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. right here on Buffalo Radio. Thank you for listening to Keeping It 100 with Dory, the show designed to create positive attitudes and come up with solutions to stop the violence in the community. Join us every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. right here on Buffalo Radio. We'll see you next week.